Thanks so much for tuning in to the Four Stories Podcast, where we will talk about the four most important stories of your life, your relationships, and your career. And here's your host, Chris Watson. Wow, if you aren't ready for real, for raw, for some stories that are going to touch you, make you think, provoke you, then you better turn this off because that's what I would say has been the response so far as I've shared this with a few people is the amount of realness, the honesty um, Michelle goes into some stories that, you know, per her, that she's never actually talked about publicly. And that's huge. I mean, that's huge that she, one, I appreciate that she trusted me with those. She trusted the audience with those and that she believed that she could share those because she knew that it would impact others. And it's going to, it's going to have a heavy impact. And so for anyone out there, that has made a career in sales and had a lot of success in sales, just like she has, I would challenge you to really listen to what she has to say. Listen to her experience. Listen to her feelings. Listen to her emotions about what occurred in those jobs, what it what it did to her, both positive and negative, and what it made her really kind of go through and thinking back uh, on those and who she is today. Phenomenal podcast episode. I was so excited to have her on. I knew it was going to punch me in the face, which it did. Uh, it was a it was a freaking uppercut. And um, that's a good thing because those stories that she told, I, I couldn't run away from. I was like, wow, I'm, an, I'm, I'm so engaged. So I hope you are as well. Enjoy it. Um, none other than uh, the baddest sales uh, rep that I know, Michelle Heck. Hey, thanks so much for uh, hopping in with us today. Uh, I am Michelle. I'll let you introduce yourself. I always let the guests introduce themselves because I always pronounce something wrong, say what they're doing wrong, whatever. So you get to pronounce yourself and introduce yourself. Go ahead. Tell all the guests who you are. All right. My name is Michelle Hecht. Uh, I've been in the sales industry for over 17 years, uh, most of which my experience was from corporate, you know, corporate America, pharmaceutical, medical, and uh Within the last year, I've recently made some significant changes with my role and what I want to pursue. I have a family. I live outside of New York City, and I'm just really excited to be here with you, Chris. Yeah, so I don't know if you know this, but um, I was in medical device sales for a while. I sold contact lenses is what I did on that side, and I had a job offer to go into pharma, and this was the time where, like, they had just changed where, like, they put a per diem on how much money that you could actually spend on doctors, right? Because people were basically just like paying for, for doctors to utilize their, uh, their, their drugs, you know, their, their, um, their uh, services and whatnot. So they put, that, they put that clamp down and then you saw a lot of people are leaving the pharma and I just saw a lot of turnover. And so I got nervous and ran, but, um, and I don't regret it. You know, one guy told me one time, I'd be interested to see what you would say about this. He told me, look, pharmaceutical reps, Chris, he's like, they're glorified UPS delivery drivers. I've been called that. <laughs> really? See, yeah. that's just wild to me. See, yeah. my wife, I don't know if you know, my wife's a PA. So okay. she used to work in a family practice. And so she had, she was working with 
you know, farmer reps coming in and they're providing lunch, right? And they're talking about their drugs. And, you know, I always just kind of asked her, like, does that sway your opinion? Like, oh, hey, they're providing something for me. And she's like, no, I ask about five or six really important questions. And I think about my patients and I say, will this, you know, hypertension drug actually help my patient that's coming in my door or the one I'm seeing often? And then I just wonder, like, how many other people you know, do that. So anyways, complete sidebar, but that happens. Sometimes. No, no, no. But that's an important point that you raise because I've had the, you know, the good fortune of working for companies and working on teams where people really pushed the bar and they wanted to not just be, you know, deemed a glorified UPS driver or a caterer. They wanted to go in and provide value. They wanted to not just speak with physicians. They wanted to talk to PAs and NPs and the office staff while bringing lunch. They wanted to get you know, into a nice discussion about the patients. And it's because of other pharma companies that ruined it, you know, for most of them with the under the table things. And, you know, I mean, that stuff did go on. It's in the media. There were millions and millions of dollars sure. paid out. So yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's what happened. So it sounds like in the last year, you've kind of made some, some big transitions uh, in your life, which, you know, I think the, probably the biggest one is just, your vision of what the future is going to be and how everything you've been learning in these last 17 years are basically in your tool belt. And you're like, I'm going to finally deploy these the way I want to deploy them to impact people. So talk to me. I mean, you are at the epicenter of what's going on in America, in my opinion, right? Um, I've got a friend that lives in New York city and, um, and kind of what he's going through. And you know, the other thing I, and I don't know if you live in a home or an apartment, but he lives in a smaller apartment and like, I'm lucky I'm in Dallas, Texas with a big home. So like to imagine two of my rooms combined is what they have to be in every day. I can't imagine, you know, being quarantined in a small space, but tell me about, you know, like what you've been talking to yourself about, like what you've been thinking in your own mind, both, you know, in career, but as well as during quarantine, you know, to kind of make sure that you don't feel maybe like a victim. That's an amazing question, Chris. Uh, I think especially now during this quarantine, it's very easy to sit back and to feel like a victim. And you know you're not alone. You know that most people are with you in that because you see the, you know, you listen to the news, you see it on TV, you know what's going on. And it's almost a, a level of being comfortable to fall into that. But for me, um, specifically in quarantine and then over the last year, uh, in quarantine, I've been wearing many hats, right? Um, a wife, a mom, uh, a chef, an event planner, a zookeeper. I have seven pets. <laughs> wow. An ultimate sanity seeker, laundry, cleaning, homeschooling, two children. You know, I've been wearing many hats and luckily I get help here as well, you know, with my husband, my two kids, but um, that's been tough. But more importantly, what I've been going through in the last year, I think is, is monumental in my life, because like you said, it over 17 years, I have gained a lot of experience and I've met so many people and I've learned so many different methods of sales, you know, sales training. And I've held many positions within my sales role to train and develop and coach people on my team in my region. You know, I've had leadership positions. So I've had a really nice outlook on everything, even though it was within the same industry. And I have gone through rounds and rounds of layoffs just because that became the nature of the industry. It was no fault of my own. But when you have to keep picking yourself up and starting over, it's hard. You get beaten down. It affects you. You often wonder if you're making the right decisions. 
And in the last two years or so, I factor in um, the loss of, you know, three family members, um, an automobile accident a month after I started a job last year that I really enjoyed and it wasn't pharma. I couldn't return to that job because I was hurt. I was in an accident with my children in the car. I was driving my mother-in-law's car because she was battling stage four and I had returned my company car because I went through a layoff earlier in the year. And two weeks after that accident, my mother-in-law passed away. Um, and then my husband had gone through some issues with his company. So for me, it was trauma after trauma after trauma, coupled with the fact that something was not right inside of me. And like the definition of insanity, I keep going back and doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different outcome and that's not going to happen. So I know that's a long answer, but it's a thorough answer. And um, enough was enough. That, and that was my turning point. That was my point where I, I knew I had to pivot. So, uh, so let's, break, let's break this down into like little micro moments, right? Micro stories of like, it, it sounds like to me that like personal tragedy was almost happening the same time as like professional tragedy or professional transitions. Right. And so, you know, um, from what I hear from you and knowing you a little bit, like you're wearing a lot of hats, but you embrace that you, you do a lot, period. You got a lot going on in your mind. You're, um, I'm not going to use the word busy cause that's not the right word. Uh, yeah. I would say you're very involved. You're very engaged in everything that you're doing. And so you listed off 22 things you're doing right now, but I bet you're doing them and doing them well with everything you have. So I'm wondering if like these two things were now out of my control, personal tragedy, professional tragedy, tragedy out of my control. And you were tired of not having control and specifically not having control over your own story, over your own life story. So I, I, I would be interested to know like what micro moments in your head, like micro thoughts did you have that, helped you get finally to the point of like, I'm not going back or I'm not doing it again, or the definition of insanity. There were some other kind of things that came up to that. So I'd be interested if you could think back of like, yeah, what was I telling myself? Like when I was teetering one way or the other, I think it'd be really impactful for other people. Sure. Well, that's a great question again. And I appreciate you recognizing both tragedies because while you were saying that, I was like imagining that in my mind, but you hit it, you know, right on you know, right on the head there. Um, if you think of like the perfect storm, right? Just everything collides. If you have one particular tragedy, at least you can face it head on mm -hmm. and do whatever it takes to try to overcome that and get strong again and fight back and resist. And once you feel you get over that hump, you recharge, you gain strength. And then if you have tragedy in the other area, you do the same thing, but you find balance. I never thought in a million years that I would have both of those worlds collide and I'd be in a position where I was completely powerless. And I knew at that moment that I had lost all control. And, and you mentioned that word control. That's, that's my word. I realized in that moment that I cannot control everything. I can pray. I can wish I can put fairy dust under my pillow every night. It's not going to mean a damn thing. I have to surrender that control trust the process. And like you said, with our big, uh, you know, the hideaway meeting that we had almost two weeks ago, which has stuck with me ever since, 
you have to take micro steps to get macro results. And that is so spot on. And it was at that moment that I had to start developing my strategy and allowing myself to take as, you know, like a step back and, and start planting my seeds and take micro steps. Do you, do you think it's, it was, and feel free not to answer this, but like I am encountering more and more. Um, so let me give you some context and I'll ask the question. Yeah. I think a lot of people right now during quarantine or even during kind of transitional stuff they go through, they're, they're going through this really tough time. I'm calling it an identity crisis. And here's why. I think a lot of times, and, and like, I'm not a woman, but I think for women, especially because you've been, because women have been working so hard to be in positions of power and to it, be a breadwinner and go, go make money and those kind of things that once you attain that, and once you've been in a job 17 years and you've had leadership positions and you're leading people and, you know, people know your name in the industry, there must have been an, a bit of an identity crisis of like, my identity was in my job a bit. And so because of that, when that, when that tragedy happened in my job, my identity was, was, was a little bit crumbling. And so I, I almost wonder for a lot of people, and, and I'd love for you to speak on it, is that was there a moment where it was like, I don't know who I am without mom. I don't know who I am without job. And, and then you're almost like reinventing who Michelle is all over again. And, and it may have taken those micro steps of being aware of like, wait a minute, why did, why did me and mom have the relationship we have? Or what were great things about my mom that always told me? Or what were great things at my company that I did that I can pull all those? Because what I try to train people on is that it, it, it's, it's Michelle and it's Michelle within the job. But if you take Michelle away, she still has all those same strengths and weaknesses and leadership qualities Absolutely. And that are great within the company. So the company didn't make you that you are that, and you're a contributor. So I know it's a long, I'm, I'm long winded as well, but I'd love for you just to kind of talk a little bit about this identity crisis that maybe, you know, was going through your mind. I'm so glad that you brought that up. And you say you're long winded. If you wanted to go another five minutes, <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> I love it. And that's such an amazing point because I think that whether you're a man or a woman, it's so easy to get lost in that identity. And you know, you feel that the harder you work and the more accolades you get and the more you're recognized and the more your peers know about you and what you've accomplished and your community and your company, that you take that on and it like adds layers to your identity. And when that rug is pulled from under you, you lose a chunk of who you are. And um, if it happens for a few weeks, a few months, I think you can regroup. Mm -hmm. But when it happens for a significant you know, period of time, it really starts to eat away at who you are and you start to question who you are and what you're capable of. And for me, I always bounced back, but I knew that something was missing. And the only way I can explain it, and it's not the fault of the industry, it's just that it's such a heavily regulated industry that weighed so heavily on the training, the initial training, because it's, you know, regulated by legal and, you know, regulatory with, you know, pharmaceuticals, the FDA. So you're only allowed to use certain types of, you know, collateral and, and speak in certain types of, you know, you have to use certain verbiage when you talk to people in the healthcare industry. And, and there is a small window of creativity that you're allowed, but, and, and a lot of people are very comfortable with that and they're fine. But for me, I knew I was different when I was like eight, you know, I had this crazy big personality, very animated, the whole New York accent, you know, like I'm not, 
I'm not cookie cutter. And I realized as the years went on that that just got bigger and bigger, but my ability to use it kept shrinking and, you know, getting smaller and smaller. And when that festers after a while, it's like breaking out of a cage. So that, that contributed to it. And then when I, you know, went through my last round of layoffs and it wasn't a month or two that was just, you know, sailing by, it was month after month and I was getting rejected one by one by one from companies and things I really wanted that I felt I was qualified for. So you throw that into the perfect storm, all that rejection, being ghosted, not being, you know, responded to from sending thank yous, connections, I mean, interviews that were hours long, that can really eat away at your soul, at the fabric that makes you who you are. And that was my bottom. That was it. So tell me about, you know, your, I call them strategic partners or your strategic sphere of people that are around you. You know, obviously your husband's probably involved in that, but you know, maybe even extended in that, like you have now made a transition out of this, this world where you probably had a lot of colleagues and had a lot of friends. So I'd be interested to know, like, like as well as, as the quarantine piece, but I think we're getting into some other strategy and business stuff that I'm really fascinated about is that Tell me like what that, what that sound was from them. What were the stories that they were telling you of like, you're making the right decision or how can you ever leave here? You have 17 years experience or what those kind of stories were that you either had to like, yes, I need to hear that or I need to unfollow you, so to speak. No, that's again, amazing question because I think it's assumptive to think that you can reflect on the people that you have been with for years and years and those 17 years plus were not with the same company. They were, you know, a few organizations, but um, as far as strategic partners, I'd have to say it's a combination, of course, my husband, my family, my parents, my brother, uh, all rooting for me. And then in the last, I'd say 12, 13 months, that's when I really started to leverage LinkedIn a lot. And, you know, before then it was not really you know, it was just something I kind of dabbled with. It wasn't anything significant in my life, but my mission was to make meaningful connections with people that would be able to give me advice and give me a, a neutral take on things, you know, and I, I started reaching out to people and personalizing my messages and asking them questions. And they were, they were expecting me to pitch them. And, and I literally had to overcome that and like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm not trying to do anything. I just want 10 minutes of your time and I want your feedback. I want your advice. I'm making a career change and I, I just want your advice. And I did that enough and I got some amazing perspective from so many people. And there were some people that I just really aligned with, you know, their values, their mission. Um, Dale Dupree being one of them, major, you know, major uh, partner, strategic partner in my life, and, and Cynthia Barnes with an NAWSP. Um, and then just, of course, some friends that I've had along the way that were encouraging me. So, you know, I, I have to ask because it, you bring up, it's a great segue. You know, the, the danger I always think about, like, social media, let's just call it social media, LinkedIn, uh, podcasts, television, books we read. Um, I like to use the word noise, that there's a lot of noise, you know, and, um, you know, my son has a white noise machine every night that helps him go to sleep. And the point of that noise is to block out the other noise that might be in the house, right? right. Um, 
but I know for me, and it's exactly what you experienced where they're so used to being pitched. They're so used to like, you know, Hey, I'm so glad we connected. Can we speak? And they're like, well, what are you trying to sell me? I'm not, I'm not, I'm actually trying to link it linked with you. Like I'm trying to understand who you are and grow from it that I would be interested on like, how did you maybe stay away from the other noise, stay away from the rejections from companies, stay away from, or maybe how did you use it as fuel? Um, how did you decide I'm going to tune into this? I'm blocking this out. I'm going to tune into this. I'm blocking this out, or I'm going to feed myself this because I know I'm an outpouring of whatever I'm putting in. So talk a little bit about noise and, and like how, how strategic you were about it. All right. Well, you know, come to think of it, um, First of all, that's not easy to do, to block out that noise, because if you tune in too much, it will get to you and it will knock you down. And then it's a matter of how long you choose to stay down. So I knew even a few years into my, my sales career that I did not want to be a sales manager. And people used to look at me like, are you crazy? Like that's where the money is and you're leading people and visibility and upward mobility. And I would look at them and say, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a nonconformist and I know in my heart that I don't want to do that. I really want to be a sales trainer, sales coach. I want to empower salespeople to really go out there and be the best they can be. And they can do that by using you know, self-awareness and just authenticity and just being themselves and building relationships and it will work. And people thought I was crazy. And so my strategy was always to do well as a sales professional and I did well. And I made great relationships. You know, I, I formed great relationships, but I guess there were clear paths to get into training departments. Mm -hmm. So because I knew that early on, my role after all of this kind of ended and I decided to pivot was to contact people. And it was difficult. I was just literally reaching out to people, telling them that, you know, I read your profile. I'm very intrigued. This is what I'm trying to do. I just want your advice, you know, your feedback. Someone like me who's done XYZ pivoting into this type of role, what would you suggest? And um, the only way that I was able to tune out the other noise was um like you mentioned before you know you get rejected you get knocked down enough you get turned on enough you i used it as fuel like oh yeah well it's your loss it's your loss and i'm going to use that and i'm going to prove you wrong but most importantly i'm going to prove myself right yeah yeah i was just so i posted on linkedin today and i think you know it's very relevant to you is that we all have a story, but we have a decision whether to tell our story from a position of power or from a position of like weakness. And, you know, like you've, you've gone through, I mean, you just mentioned three or four things that, of what you've gone through and the amount of layoffs. And I, and I think you have, a very, you have a very powerful story in that, like, like let, me, let me paint this picture for you and then you can agree or disagree. Is that, okay, the thing I struggle with early on in the industry is that I can't be myself. I can't be who I want to be and who I, and who I really am is probably the person that can almost sell better and connect better, but I can't be that because of the regulatory. And I dealt with that. Then beyond that, because of the layoffs were happening, I almost even more was like, how can I be the right mold for your company? So you don't ever lay me off. So then I'm even taking more of 
in, of authenticity and self out of the equation over and over and over and over. There's one more piece of that puzzle that I want to add in. It is absolutely impossible to have long, meaningful conversations with decision makers, with anybody in these offices or in the hospitals or whatever, because you're, you're seeing them between patients. Uh -huh. you're, you're taking so much amazing information, knowledge, feedback, whatever it is, and you have to condense that into this one minute, two minute thing in between, unless you're doing a lunch and that got nixed in so many, you know what I'm saying? So you're up against all of these things that are holding you back from, like you said, doing what you want the best way you know how. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I think about that. And then I think about, you know, some of the things of having to overcome. And I just, I just, I, I guess the thing I probably take for granted. So some, some context, <clears throat> I worked for two Fortune 500 companies and had success with them. And then I left because my dad passed away. He passed away at the age of 44. And I was like, man, I'm not really impacting. Thank you. Uh, it, was, it was a weird, weird time in my life because I was actually at 25 making more money than my dad at his age. And that was hard for him, I think. Um, but I remember having a conversation one time, just complete side note for everyone to hear, probably just maybe get to know me a little better, is that I remember him saying, because uh, we grew up poor. Our first Christmas, we got winter coats from the church because otherwise we probably would have froze to death because we couldn't pay the heat heating bill. And I remember my dad saying, I'm worried that God isn't able to teach you the same lessons he taught me. And I said to him, dad, maybe he's going to teach me those same lessons just in a different way. Yeah. And he didn't have anything to say at that point, but I remember it being like this weird moment. And then I said, dad, you should be proud because I wouldn't be in the situation if it wasn't for you. So then dad dies and I go into education and I teach for the next 10 years. I teach and I coach soccer and, um, and then coming out of that, it was like, wait a minute, sales is education. We educate people. And so I've almost honed more skills and I ran my own businesses on the side and yada, yada, yada. But I did the same thing. I'm like, you know what? I want to train people. I want to coach people because what I found was all these kids graduating from high school were hitting me up at 23 and they were like, Hey, can we link up? I need some help in sales. And I'm like, Hey, I haven't heard from you in five years. Why are you calling me? Have you not found any other mentors at your college or professors or, and they're like, no. And so I was like, okay, this might be an avenue. So I did the same thing. I went on LinkedIn. I reached out to four or five people. I was like, I like what you talk about. You say you're a sales trainer and coach. Can we meet? And I would meet and I would sit down and have a coffee and I'd ask him tons of questions and really just fill out like, can I do this? And I think it's so interesting because the moment that we believe we're credible is the moment we start telling ourselves in our brain the story of credibility. Yes. Right? And so I, I truly believe that, and it's nice to have some affirmation from some people that we respect, don't get me wrong, because I think that's really important. But that goes back to the sphere that I'm putting in my life to tell me those stories of affirmation of what I'm, you know, what I'm pursuing. And then at the end of that day, it's just economics, supply and demand. Do they like what I'm putting out? Nope. Okay, I better change it. Uh, am I impactful in coaching people? Are they actually increasing results? Yes. Great. I need to keep, no. Okay. I got to change how I'm going to do it. So I think that the big thing for me that I hear is like this, like, I want to finally be the most authentic, authentic piece of myself and who I am, as well as I want full control over the story I'm going to have at the end of my life. And the last, the last thing I would ask you is like, what story is it that you want to tell? whether it's a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, where I think it's probably pretty cool because you were going through this transition 
and then COVID happens and it probably even gives a bigger reset button for you to really analyze everything. So I want to hear, I'm going to shut up and let you talk, but I just want to hear like, okay, in a, in, in a year, five years, 10, whatever is in your mind, I want to be able to share this story. Well, let me just start <laughs> by telling you that with the bazillion podcasts that are out there, there's just something about yours that just really, I don't know, your, your way of talking, your way of telling a story, your way of connecting, like you move me to tears and uh-huh. I'm not going to cry on this. <laughs> that's kind. That's <laughs> I promise kind. I won't, <laughs> but that's what it's about. Um, you know, it's one thing to be empowered and feel like, yeah, I got this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a game changer. But then you don't have a local or a regional thing occur, you know, like you have a global pandemic occur and it's like, boom, like, oh yeah, hot shot, sit down. You know, let's see, let's see what you have. And for me, you know, it's literally, it's like, God's like, yes, you know, be humble, (laughs) sit down. And it, it was, it was like a, the epitome of a reset button. It really was because I was like, man, if there was ever a time where I could, you know, poop or get off the pot, you know, and really move forward, now's, now is the time. And um, I felt like this was like my golden opportunity. This is the test and I'm not doing it for anybody else. I have nothing to prove to anybody. I have gained some new friends along this journey. I've lost some friends. I've realized why I was friendly with them. You know, I've compared myself to so many other people that have, you know, A and B and C and it's on paper and it's, you know, I just, it was almost like an out-of-body experience where I was looking into, you know, a, a, what do you call it? A, you know, oh my God, what's wrong with me? You know, like, like a fortune teller, you know, like I'm looking through this, like looking oh, gla- glass. Gla- uh, yeah, a crystal ball or crystal glass. Ball. Oh my yeah. God, I just like lost that. <laughs> I'm looking through a crystal ball and I'm like, okay, well, something's got to give, what does that ideal situation look like to me? And if I can see that and see where that is at the end of the road, you know, at the light of the end of the tunnel, then I can backtrack and do whatever it takes, micro steps, right, to get to that point. And so for me, I closed my eyes and I said, you know what, my mindset has been patience, uh, perseverance, and, and especially passion. I want to train, I want to coach, and I want to be the most authentic person I could possibly be and be proud of it and unapologetic about it. And I want to impact others through my story and my journey. And so I'm going to do it. I don't care what it takes to get there. And I'm going to go forward. I don't care how small the steps are. Forward is forward and that's it. Mm -hmm. And so five years from now, what I see is um, I see somebody that was tough, you know, that tough as nails mentally, emotionally, you know, physically didn't back down and just kept going and didn't listen to all the noise. Like you said, just blocked out all the noise and stayed focused and kept her eyes on the prize at whatever costs didn't hurt anybody, but pushed herself outside of her comfort zone to become what she always wanted. Yeah, I, I, I see the word I see is freedom. And when we have freedom, that's truly when we have control. Yeah. Because there's going to come a point where you're going to have ultra freedom to say, I'm unapologetically me. And I was in an industry didn't let me be didn't let me be me the way I wanted to be me right. And I and I think 
that's what people fail to, to, to think about is that like the moment that we're truly vulnerable to the end, like this is what I struggled with and this is what I overcame. And, 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 and vulnerability is not always weak. Sometimes vulnerability is like, this is how I was a champion. This is how I was a victor. This is how I was a hero because we have to remember, especially in sales, you know, as well as I do that you were trying to make those doctors, the heroes of, of tending to their patient. We wanted them to be the victor. And in doing that, you were saying, this drug will make you the hero. This drug will make you the victor in helping them. It's no different than any widget that we sell. So until we recognize the way we were a victor and a hero and a champion, it's really hard for us to communicate with the person that we're trying to coach or teach or sell on how to be that, right? And so vulnerability, the, the moment that we're able to be vulnerable, I believe, is the moment that we're completely secure in who we are. Yeah. I know my strengths. I know my weaknesses. I know where I failed. I know where I succeeded. And now I know how to triple down on those efforts to then help other people and coach them and teach them on those things. And that moment's almost like, oh, you can't hurt me because I know myself. You can't call me out for X because I can be vulnerable about that now, I right? I talk about it. I laugh about it. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So I, I'm excited because I think, I guess I would just, you know, I would say like, I, I want to give you an op opportunity though to talk about like, okay, if I was coaching somebody, these are some things that I think I would, I would hit on because I think some people might be out there and be like, I have her story. I, you know, and, and at the end, I'll give everybody and I'll give you an opportunity to say, hey, you can contact me here because I think there's a lot of people, especially like, imagine this, right? Like they went through the identity crisis because they were furloughed. They went through the identity crisis because they got laid off and they've never been in an industry that got laid off and you've been through it over and over and over and know how to handle it. So you're going to have people that may listen to this and say, I'm going to reach out to her on LinkedIn and just ask a few questions because I would like some help. So talk about like, hey, here's kind of my platform. This is the things I would talk about. I'll give you a few minutes. I think first and foremost, um, you have to sit down and you have like what you were talking about before about being vulnerable. You ha I'm not saying that people should be right out of the gate vulnerable and be able to tell their story. I think it takes a lot of time to really build up that confidence and that resilience to be able to be vulnerable and share your story. And I don't think there's a time limit on that. If it takes you six months or six years or 60, I mean, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's about you and nothing else and nobody else. But I guess my advice would be to really sit down and dig deep and think about what it is you want to do and where you want to do it. And even if you don't have everything so laid out perfectly, because I, I can't tell you how much time it took me to be able to verbalize what I wanted to do. People would ask me like months ago and I give them an answer that took three minutes and they're like, Michelle, listen, you have to refine that and put it in English. What, what, what does that mean? Like, 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 what does that mean? <laughs> and I'd laugh because I said, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it, but this is what I want to do. And this is how I want to do it. And this is what I'm passionate about. So, so my advice would be just lay it out, write it down, create a vision for yourself. Think about your long-term goal and then plug in small little micro steps, whether they're conversations with certain people, interactions with certain people, journals, books you want to read, things, podcasts you want to listen to. Expose yourself to anything and everything that will move you in that direction because even though they're small things, you're, you're, you're adding to your reservoir. That's what you're doing. You're filling up your reservoir. And when you're ready, you'll know it and you'll be able to draw from it. 
I say it reservoir. So you say it much prettier. No, I say it with a New York accent. <laughs> I like it. I, like I do. It. I do. Um, so that was my approach. And I, hmm. it was hard, but I knew every time I did something or took on another challenge or put myself in a situation where I gained something from it, I knew that that was moving me in the direction, the right direction. Yeah, I, I, you know, I heard you say awareness, and it sounds like through awareness, healing may have to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Right, because cause those are the moments where you're probably going to face, when you, when you become aware, that's where you face, you know, the most, um, I don't know if demons is the right word, but you face those you're dark right. moments. It is, <laughs> it is right? of course, sure. Yeah, yeah. But, well, what I will say is that I appreciate you coming on and sharing, because I think that what... I think even though yours has maybe occurred over a longer period of time, I think people are experiencing trauma after trauma right now and losing their job and their company going under and basically their earth being sh just completely shaken. And I think they have a choice to make. And, and, and I don't say it lightly. I may say it boldly, but I don't say it likely that, listen, I mean, I didn't lose anybody into this in this and I didn't, and I didn't lose a job in this. Um, so I try to be compassionate and empathetic, but I think for me to be authentic, it's for me to look at that individual and say, okay, now you have nothing to lose because you've lost it all. Yeah. And I, and I almost think like just the shift of that mindset, you know, now says, okay, well then that means I can do whatever I want and that's more freeing. And now I have control again versus you just took everything away from me. I have no control. And I know I'm not getting into the micro of like, I can't pay my bills and, I had to go file for unemployment. I mean, I had a time in my life in 09, I filed for unemployment. And I remember that feeling of like, like defeat. Wait a minute, I can't get a job. I've always been hired. Like I've never, and probably the same you felt in, in, in the rejecting moments of like, I've always got every job I interviewed for, or at least offered to me. And then I, you know, had to say no, or I took it. And now I can't find a job. Like McDonald's won't hire me, right? Because you're overqualified. So I understand all those micro moments, but I think the thing to take away that, I think people are really understanding or hopefully will understand from your story is like, I had all these things happen to me and I looked at it as opportunity instead of um, defeat. Absolutely. And if I right today in this moment, take a look at why I'm here right now on this podcast with you and what brought me to this time in my life and what I'm doing right now, which I'm so excited about. It had nothing to do, and I will repeat, it had nothing to do with interviewing with somebody that I sent a resume to that had to check boxes. It had to do with me persevering and connecting with people and wanting to talk to them and get to know them and share my story and be vulnerable and not care what everyone thinks. Because through that alone, through getting comfortable with telling people you're having a bad day or you lost your job or you lost someone you love or you're having a bad week or a bad month or you're feeling depressed or you need help by being weak and sharing that weakness and knowing that there are people out there that want to help you. They want to be the victor. They want to pull you up. You're robbing them of being the victor and you're holding it in, which is only manifesting itself and it's the worst. So that's the most liberating thing. Like open up, talk to people, be a little vulnerable. It will get you the most amazing return. And that was something I could never do. I was so scared about what people thought and what the expectation was and what people think I should be doing and what my resume should say after these years. And 
No, no, this is my life. This is what happened. These are the detours I took. It doesn't matter what happened then. It matters what happens now. Where am I at now? And while I'm still six feet above ground, I could do whatever the hell I want. And that's what I'm telling everyone else. Do whatever, do whatever you want. Be fearless. Don't, don't back down. You can do whatever you want. That's it. <laughs> Mic so, drop, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, so normally I say, I usually always say, and I preface that I'm not going to this time of like, Hey, I'm going to give you the last word, but I think that's the last word. That's, so yeah. yes. let, let people know how they can connect with you. Let them know like how they can get in touch with you and I'll make sure to put it down uh, in the info for the podcast. Absolutely. Well, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Michelle Hecht and, uh, my email address is michelle at the salesrebellion.com. So you might want to spell your last name on LinkedIn for people to find you. Absolutely. It's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. And my last name is Hecht. It's H-E-C-H-T. And again, my email address is michelle with two L's at the salesrebellion.com. Thanks so much for hopping on. Thanks so much for your vulnerability. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. And I look forward to the next time we get to chat. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chris. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us on the Four Stories podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was insightful. I hope it was impactful. And I look forward to an opportunity when we can connect. You can find me on social media at the Four Stories, or you can send me an email at Four Stories at thechriswatson.com. I'd love to have you on the show. Love to connect with you. Love to work with you or your organization. Talk to you soon. Peace.